Welcome to the Wild Woman's Guide to Motherhood, a space for open-minded and open-hearted discussions about birth and mothering. I'm your host, Mimi Tui. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Wild Woman's Guide to Motherhood. Today, I'm so excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Layla Armour of the Village for Mama postpartum recipe book. She's a mother and an incredible entrepreneur and creative and a wealth of information about postpartum and postpartum nourishment and really just a beautiful, beautiful human. I really enjoyed this chat with her. She has so much to share Um, And I think that you're really going to enjoy it as well. I'm not going to spend too much time on this introduction because we'll just hop right into the conversation. I did want to say, though, if you are enjoying these podcast episodes that I'm putting out, it would be amazing if you could do one or a few things to help me reach more people. So the best thing you can do is just hit that subscribe button so that you're notified every time that there's a new podcast episode. At this point, I'm releasing episodes every two weeks on Friday. So keep an eye out. That's the schedule. I think eventually I'll move to every week. Um, but as I'm getting started, this just is what's flowing for me. Um, But yeah, so if you subscribe, that is such a huge help and just helps me reach more people. And then if you can leave a rating and or a review, that is just amazing and would make my heart sing. Um, Share the episodes directly with your friends. So if there's someone who, like especially with this um, episode, which talks about postpartum and postpartum nourishment and and putting together, you know, your village of, of support and people who are going to be there for you in that time. If you have a pregnant friend who might benefit from that, um, share the episode directly with them. I would so appreciate that. And then, yeah, if you want to take a screenshot when you're listening to the episode and share it on social media and tag me on Instagram, I'm at Mimi Tui, M-E-M-E-T-U-O-H-Y. And that would be amazing, such a huge help and just make me so excited. So um, any of those things that you can do would just be the biggest, biggest help and make my day. So um, yeah, that's that's all for now. Enjoy this conversation with Layla. Hi, Layla. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. How are you going? Yeah, really good. It's so wonderful to have you here today. Welcome to the Wild Woman's Guide to Motherhood. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Yeah, same. Um, so just so the listeners know, we actually met for the first time the other day. I met you at the border to pick up a few of your beautiful books. Um, and yeah, just immediately felt like such a wonderful connection. I feel like we could chat for hours. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it was a it was a weird place of meeting, but I think you have to adapt to the times, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. One, I've only um, I've only met someone. This is the Queensland New South Wales border. In case someone is listening to this like a hundred years in the future and has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so weird that we're kind of barricaded off from each other. But also, I feel like I don't. I don't feel like it's going to last that long and so it's also this really kind of poignant time to be 
like meeting up at the border and and looking at people across these barriers and like it's so strange but really interesting it's it's sort of it's it can be quite emotional and it can be quite triggering and um it feels very intense and serious but at the same time it feels quite trivial and comical and when you're there yeah well especially because yeah they're just like these you know short little barricades like both times I've been there I've seen people just like hopping over them like you know and it's all this it's so interesting because it is more mental than physical even yeah this division right there Mm -hmm. um so can you just give us a brief introduction for anyone who's listening who might not know who you are or maybe is familiar with Village for Mama but doesn't know anything about you um just yeah who you are and and what you do yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's quite funny. When um, when I first released the book, I sort of hid behind the book and not many people put two and two together that I was the person that created the book. And now that I've gone on to supporting mums one-on-one and, have, um, and doing postpartum doula work, I'm trying to bring myself forward, which is quite uncomfortable, but it's necessary. So, um, yeah, I feel like... Um, well, I'm Layla. I'm a mum of a two-year-old daughter called Billy, and I'm married to my husband, Ross, and we live on the beach in Tugan, southern Gold Coast in Australia. Beautiful. And you have created the Village for Mama book, which is a postpartum recipe book. And, yeah. Um, and are yeah. You, you're also a doula. Do you support births or postpartum doula? No, just postpartum. I, I really... Since creating the book, I went on to study holistic postpartum nutrition and that really gave me the confidence and the tools to then start supporting mums one-on-one through their postpartum journey. But um, yeah, I'm focusing more on that chapter as opposed to yeah, pregnancy and birth. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, I have to say I've seen your gorgeous birth video um, from Billy's birth about a hundred times because back when I was teaching hypnobirthing, I used to show it to my couples um and yeah I love it and so I feel like I've known you for a long time even though we only officially met recently I know it's such it's such an interesting intimate thing watching birth videos especially with people that you don't know and then you connect with them and you feel like I guess I guess even Instagram can do that to you right if you sort of connect or follow people and then you finally meet in person you sort of have this weird do you know that I know this about you Um, (laughs) it's a funny world um and some people yeah. say, oh, that's quite um, interesting that you're happy for people to watch your birth video. And um, for me, I desperately sought out um, beautiful home births um, and videos and stories while I was pregnant. And I found that there was limited stuff available. Um, available. So to me, it was really important to pay that forward and give other women the opportunity to watch a home birth to empower them I suppose yeah yeah I agree I'm the same way and we had the same um photographer videographer who's our good friend Laura Brink she's Um, amazing yeah so we both had her for our births and have birth videos from her and I told her um when she was coming to my birth I was like yeah don't be shy like get everything because I find even with um you know even with beautiful amazing birth videos there's so many that don't show everything and I feel like that sometimes is um 
I don't know, serves to make parts of birth more taboo or um, make women feel a bit more surprised when, I don't know, when their placenta comes out and they've never even seen a placenta being born or, um, you know, things like that. And yeah, so I was like, just show it all. <laughs> and now, yeah, it's so funny because, you know, like my bum hole is in my birth video. And Chris, my husband, is always like, um, he's always like, well, no one could ever blackmail you and say that they're going to, you know, like put your butt online because it's already out there for everyone to see. Are you there? I think I lost you. Can you hear me oh, now? Oh, there. Yes, I hear you. Yeah, my, um, my phone went to sleep, so I just need to keep it on my lap and make sure that it doesn't oh, lock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. You, have to you left me on my own talking about my bum hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I know, it's just so funny, isn't it, that like, it's such a normal thing and we all do it and we all have them and yet we become so squirmish or embarrassed or, yeah, there's a lot of shame and, yeah, it's a bizarre yeah yeah so I guess um let's get started talking about you and motherhood and kind of your entrance into motherhood um if you want to give a little bit of an overview of what your what that journey was for you so maybe even starting wherever you want to with um you know becoming pregnant or what pregnancy was like and um and your birth and and that kind of journey yeah, I actually, it's funny, I, up until recently, I had said that my becoming a mum and then going down this um, world of postpartum support, my my um, life took a massive change in direction. But then recently, as I started to reflect back through my life and what I've done, I've realised that I've always loved food, I've always loved feeding people, it's been my love language, I um left uni and then opened a little Mexican um cantina which was where I actually met my husband he used to come in several times a week for dinner so they say the way to someone's heart is through their belly and I guess that was very true in our story so <laughs> I love um, that. and then I decided to move on from that and so I sold the business and it was the day the business sold that we found out we were pregnant which was a surprise huge surprise at the time but a very welcome surprise um and yeah I guess also reflecting recently I realized that my matrescence journey really started when I found out I was pregnant because they say you have a loss of identity when you go through um the transition of birth into motherhood but when you go from owning a business and that consuming your whole life to selling it and then being I guess unemployed and pregnant it's a bit hard to then jump into a new industry or a new field so I really Mm. had a loss of self and identity for my pregnancy which I channeled into research but at the time I did feel quite um lost and maybe panicked in a way as to oh what am I going to do next where am I going to go like how am I going to find a new job once I've had a baby do I need to find it now I wanted time to sort of think about my next chapter but yeah so it was I don't know it was an interesting time but I really used my pregnancy to um learn about birth and motherhood because I had the time to (laughs) yeah yeah that's a luxury but I um 
I also hear how having so much time could really make you feel anxious as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, you need a direct and I and to to be fair, my husband had just launched his business, and I really um, I was doing so much behind the scenes in terms of admin and marketing and for him so it wasn't like I was just sat around all day but I going from having something that's yours and that you're in full control of and it's your business to then going into oh I don't know what I'm doing yet we wrap our identity up in what we do for work Mm -hmm. yeah and I think I've seen this a lot with um with women who are becoming mothers in our generation when we've seen, I think that um, a lot of mothers in the generation kind of before us gave up a lot of their identity and just, you know, basically allowed their whole identity to be being mothers. And I think that we've seen, at least I have seen in some cases, the aftermath of that. And then I've seen, um, like my mom always maintained a very firm identity apart from being just a mother. And, and she's had, um, you know, kind of a beautiful transition to all of her kids being out of the home and, and still having a lot of purpose, um, and joy in her life. But then I've seen other mothers who had their whole identity wrapped up in being mothers and then just felt so lost once they weren't needed in that role 24 seven. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's so easy to jump from one thing to another. And I think that's where that loss of identity becomes quite scary for women because there's that whole transition of matrescence that you don't get told about or you don't learn about until you're sort of maybe too far into it to, to know what to do or what it means. Um, And I think so much of that comes to how much, motherhood changes you what you wrap your identity up in how you feel about things that you used to feel really really good about but then no longer interest you or yeah it's a Mm. yeah it affects women in very different ways yeah 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 so um bring me I guess yeah we don't I don't want to get too deeply into your um birth story (laughs) because I know I love birth stories and we could totally spend the whole episode on just your beautiful birth but um if we if you can just kind of take me a little bit through your choices around your birth and then the birth itself yeah absolutely so I basically had a lot of time to read and do research and I found myself quite fortunate to live in a place in the Gold Coast where I feel like you've got people like Megan Amore and um, her doula services and her hypnobirthing services and her sort of links to quite a strong birth community. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and then Megan's, of course, I, she's a powerhouse. <laughs> she is, absolutely. And, um, and then, of course, Laura, who is doing a lot of birth photography. And um, so I had people around me that were sort of, I guess, gently guiding me and pointing me at, look, you, these are options, these are options. So I found my private midwife and I really had my heart set on having a private midwife. I am denied about home birth because I'm really terrified of hospitals. Um, and part of a home birth, I guess, protocol, you'd call it, is they do encourage you to have one meeting at the hospital. Um, and because I was on the fence, my midwife said, you should go to this. We, you don't have to go, but we encourage you to go and then you can see how you feel. And I just remember walking out of that um, appointment and my husband and I just looked at each other and said, we're having a home birth. Mm. So that was, that was, uh, um, 
um, yeah, I guess the deciding factor for us. And yeah, once I sort of decided on my birth, I did hypnobirthing and then I started to really think about my post-birth experience and I discovered the term the fourth trimester and I read a few books and the thing that really stood out to me was in order to embrace a slow postpartum, the one common denominator was support. Like it really required the support of people around you who understood what honouring that period following birth actually means in terms of setting boundaries and resting and um, eating nourishing food. Because if you just read what in an ideal world you should be doing, but you haven't got a team of support people to support you and facilitate that, I did feel that that could breed a bit of guilt and I guess anxiety over not being able to do those things because you didn't have the help that you needed to do them. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like it's, if you don't work really hard beforehand to set, to set that up, then it's not just going to happen, you know, like organically, (laughs) you're not Not just going to be magically supported to rest and, you know, eat really nourishing foods. And then if you're seeing all this stuff about how important it is, but you don't have the means to do it because you didn't plan for it, then I can absolutely see that breeding guilt. And that's, yeah, motherhood and guilt is a whole, whole other thing. The whole series yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway I um I read a couple of books and I was like yeah this I'd love to experience this and I didn't have a full 40 days of confinement but I didn't leave the house for at least two weeks and I really honored rest and not doing anything and staying warm and eating nourishing food and in order to do that I had to get my husband and my mum to read a book that I had read mm. Um, And I just thought what a privilege that was that I had a mum close by and a husband who was willing to read a book to learn how they could best support me. Yeah. Which book Um, did you have them read? um, The First 40 Days. Yeah, that's a beautiful book. So beautiful. Um, But I thought in order for people to have this support, there does need to be more education around around the fourth trimester in the postpartum period and it's most most pregnant women that are in that world are researching but the people around them aren't and they don't understand it and I'm still filled with so much guilt over my sister-in-law having her second baby and the day she came home which was the day she gave birth we went round empty-handed and cuddled the baby and had a laugh and then we left and I just can't believe that because I hadn't experienced it before I really didn't understand what how I should have handled that situation and I know that I'm not alone in making those mistakes yeah um so yeah I guess that was the catalyst for me then creating my book was during my postpartum period trying to work out how I could help more mothers experience the nourishing food and the educated support yeah yeah, it's so beautiful. And um, for people who don't know, your book has like it's a it's a book of recipes, but then it also has each of the recipes individually on a card that you can give out to like a friend or family member and ask them to make it for you for postpartum, um, which is such a beautiful way of bringing in that village and and giving people that 
opportunity to support and like a little bit more knowledge around how to support a postpartum mother. It's like such a gentle, inviting way to do that. And I think that's so beautiful what you've done there. Oh, thank you. I feel like, yes, yeah, some people have said, oh, I wouldn't feel comfortable asking people to, to bring me food. And I think firstly, women struggle to ask for help at any stage of their life. It's sort of ingrained in us to sort of make it seem that we've got everything under control and we don't need support. Um, and second of all, like you're denying people a really wonderful opportunity because it feels really good to give something to someone. It feels really good to feed someone. It's um, by not asking someone to do that, you are also, well, you're denying yourself of something really important and really wonderful, but you're also denying them of the opportunity to to give something, which isn't, it's a really good feeling giving someone food. It feels amazing to support someone like that. Yeah, and to support someone in a time of need, like to be there for them is amazing. Like I feel so honored if someone asks, you know, asks me to support them in some way, um, being trusted and being relied upon. And like that's such, that's what builds community, you know, Absolutely. it's not like this isolation of I can do it myself, I don't need any help. Like, we, yeah, absolutely. And it's not yeah. it's not saying like holding up a red, red flag and saying I'm failing, I can't do this. It's like we were never supposed to do this alone. And if you look at traditional cultures around the world, they did prioritize rest and honoring the new mother and supporting the new mother. They all had rituals and ceremonies over celebrating and honoring this transition. And I feel like maybe in our modern Western world, we're in a bit of a difficult position where in traditional cultures, the wisdom is passed down from generation to generation. And then in our world, we are starting to gain more awareness around the importance of it. And then we start to share it with our, our parents and our grandparents. And especially in our parents' generation, they say, and, and our grandparents, oh, what do you mean? We just got on with it. Um, so, yeah, there is that re-education and bringing awareness to the importance of supporting a new mother and bringing community back in which was prevalent in our grandparents time yeah that's such an interesting visual I hadn't actually thought of it that way of how the um you know traditionally in traditional cultures that it was passed down through generations and with us it's like our generation is rediscovering things or or figuring out what we really need to thrive and then like passing it back up but in yeah, that's so, that's such an interesting visual. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, something that I've been thinking a lot about, especially when people come to me and say, but my mum didn't have this health or my grandma didn't have this health. And um, that's, and, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that they didn't and I'm sad for them. And maybe they did suck it up and they were fine at the time, but that doesn't mean that you don't need that help or that you're, a failing mother by asking for that help it just means that you're putting your hand up and honoring yourself in this transition because it's not and it and motherhood and birth and raising children is such a peculiar thing because it feels so huge and intense but then it's such a regular event and I think mm. it's a, I mean in Australia a woman gives birth every well one minute and four, um, 44 seconds like it's such a common an ordinary thing that happens but when you're in it it's it's huge and it's extraordinary and it's no small feat 
growing a human and birthing a human and then raising a human it's huge yeah well and especially when we are doing it in isolation and not um like we almost I talk about this with women who I support in birth and postpartum all the time that especially like specifically with like breastfeeding so many women have have never actually seen another woman breastfeed um or you know like seen other women birth or really witnessed them mothering like usually it's maybe you've seen your sister if you have an older sister or something mothering her children but it used to be done so communally that you would see all these things hundreds and hundreds of times before you ever had to do them whereas for us we're all kind of trying to figure it out by ourselves in isolation having never you know so much of of mothering is done in private yeah absolutely and also like and and you do think oh why is it so hard and it it's still a learned skill like most things they're learned skills like even you learn to walk you learn to ride a bike they're still it doesn't mean just because you we are supposed to walk that it's an easy thing you watch your you watch your baby learn to walk and they don't just do it like that it's a process it's a and that's the same with mothering and breastfeeding and um, yeah, we can teach women so much as women. And I think, yeah, to normalize breastfeeding and to, if you've got a pregnant friend and you're feeding to say, okay, come and have a look, come and see this up close because the picture that you see with the back of a baby's head and the mum smiling isn't how breastfeeding is from the get go. It's, um, yeah, it takes a lot of time and practice and patience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mm, there's so many directions I feel like we could go from here there's so many things I want to talk to you about I guess let's talk um before we kind of move off of like your motherhood journey do you want to kind of I mm, okay here's a question okay (laughs) when did was there a point when you feel like you kind of dropped into your role of mother and was that like at the birth or was it way later when you kind of felt like oh I have arrived and you know kind of I've been in this process of becoming and now I'm actually more here on my feet it's a good question and I actually remember the day and the moment where I felt I I said to myself I feel like a mum and it was really funny because it was when my daughter was one so it was like it took me so long to actually because people would say how does it feel to be a mum and for the first four, four to six months, I honestly felt like a hybrid of a cow and a cleaner. Like, <laughs> honestly, I didn't. And I was like, oh, I don't even. My sister kept saying to me, you're a mum of a daughter. And I'm like, I do not feel that. I had like, um, I guess, intuitive feelings. And I like, I was protective of my daughter. And I felt sort of a natural instinct to want to feed her to sleep and co-sleep and um yeah whenever she was upset or on rest I do instantly do skin to skin because that felt natural to me so I had that sort of underlying intuitive connection to I guess mothering my baby but I didn't actually feel like a mum until yeah she she turned one and I I was I was cycling to the shops and I think it was because it was one of the first times that I'd hopped on my bike 
on my own and just popped to the supermarket solo and I because I'd done everything with her attached to me for so long that I felt that separation and that separation from her like that just doing something as simple as riding my bike it sort of I was like oh wow I really feel like a mum now which is bizarre yeah 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 it's bizarre but also I think so um so common and and you kind of sharing all of that it really resonates with me too because I I feel like in those early early months that it is um it is so much like it's almost like this more analytical or like 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 I feel it's hard it's like I feel like you are totally working on instinct and there's not that kind of observational part of you that that's processing do you know what I mean like that's how I felt absolutely your instinct and almost autopilot like yeah I have got the responsibility of keeping this baby alive and you're you're tired you're in completely unfamiliar territory you do have that gut instinct that kind of drives you but at the same time you're on autopilot and I guess you're not really critically thinking about everything that you're doing unless you are surrounded by people that have sort of expectations and opinions that they're constantly putting on you which I was lucky enough not to have so yeah I do feel like you're definitely on instinct and autopilot mode yeah and then you almost needed that moment of um separation to have that time to like reflect on it and and see the sort of big transition that you'd been through and what you had become that makes a lot of sense to me and, and I, I think doing an everyday thing like riding a bike I hadn't I don't think I'd been on my bike in that first whole year I mean we'd been on family bike rides but then I was with her and part of her so just doing what I used to do on my own but then having her in the back of my mind was just like oh wow I I'm a mum and yeah I don't know a weird moment but I I vividly remember it yeah oh that's beautiful I'm so glad that you that I was able to um draw that memory out to be shared here because I do think also it's so important for women to realize it that um or to hear stories like that because in my first um episode where I interviewed Tanya she said that it took her about two years to really feel like she had come into being a mother um, after her first little one was born. And I think that that's actually so common that it's not, it's not this feeling right away of, you know, like your sister was saying, look, you're a mother now, like you're a mom. And, and it's like, well, yes, you have a child, but it takes longer to become a mom, <laughs> kind of, yeah, or to like yeah, really especially. feel into your motherhood. It's a process. It's not just as soon as your baby comes out of you, you feel fully like, a mother. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good point to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on here, what it means to you to be a wild woman and a wild mother. Um, when I've listened to your other podcasts and listened to you ask that question, the first thing that comes to me is um, a friend of mine's business tagline, which sounds really bizarre, but she's a hypnobirthing teacher and her tagline is um calm mind fear spirit and to me that just 
is exactly what a wild woman and a wild mother is. She's she's fierce and she's calm all at the same time and she's, I guess, really in touch with how she feels, how her baby feels um, and, in, and really intuitive with how she approaches womanhood and motherhood. Mm. I love that. That's beautiful. That resonates with me a lot as well. Yeah, because mm, go ahead. Oh, I think um, sorry, just lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, I think it's quite hard to. I mean, I feel like I'm regularly in touch and intuitive, and then sometimes I really drop out of that, and I start to get a bit anxious, and other thoughts and opinions start to change my course, which sometimes feels bizarre to me because I can be so passionate and so um, intent on something and then start to question something that I've always been so deeply a thought that I've been deeply connected with and I think that's I guess a real challenge in modern motherhood with social media and it can be so powerful in terms of sharing beautiful information but there can also be a constant state of comparison when it comes to womanhood and motherhood and that can really I guess knock you off course but um yeah recognizing that and knowing that I just need to step back spend some time in nature dive in the ocean go into the forest I feel like that really brings me back into that wild woman of being fierce but calm and intuitive um which is really important to me yes I love all of that and that's um that's kind of that's why I chose this name for this podcast and I'm interested in the idea of like being a wild mother because there are so many there's so much information and so many opinions that pull us away from our center and away from that intuition and make us question what feels right um whereas in nature you know, the animals aren't comparing themselves to each other. Like they might learn from each other, um, but there's not that constant questioning. And that's, that's kind of what I like to look at in the wild and compare us to, you know, and, and take my lead from. It's just, just kind of letting go of all of that questioning and doubt and, and connecting back in with that intuition. Yeah, absolutely. And you can read and learn something that really you have a penny drop moment and you're like, aha, yes, that that really resonates with me. But then you also have to remember that, I guess, mothering and parenthood, there's it's not just you involved either. You've got your child or your children. You've got your partner. Um, and there's multiple people involved in terms of you've got to do what feels and works for all of you as well as what feels and works well for yourself and I guess yeah yeah, it's you do need to take multiple different approaches and opinions and methods to shape your I guess family experience and your motherhood and how you mother Mm. yes yeah totally I agree with all that um okay cool so let's talk about village for mama a bit more I think it's amazing. I, um, I see in so many women that after they step into motherhood and become mothers, that it does um, 
almost like supercharge their kind of conviction or their um, capacity to create. Um, and then suddenly they've like birthed something else into the world, uh, which I feel like is what you've done with Village from Mama. Um, and yes, yeah, so that really kind of arose from your experience in postpartum as you've shared, but I was wondering if you could kind of take us through what that process looked like from realizing that you wanted to create it and then where you gathered kind of the knowledge from that went into the book and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I remember, again, the exact moment where the penny had dropped. I sort of, like, had the thought of, I want other women to experience this. How can I make this easy for more people? Um, and I was actually listening to an interview, podcast interview with Dr. Oscar Serilac, mm. Um, And that's when I was just, the penny dropped, and I thought, recipe cards. Um this is what I need to this is what I need to give out to people this is how you can invite other people in to make you food because reading recipe books and reading books about what you need to do is what for me bred a bit of anxiety and sort of how am I supposed to do this while I'm nursing while I'm holding a new baby how am I supposed to make sure my fridge has these things so that's yeah that's where I guess the penny really drops and I was about four months postpartum at the time Mm-hmm. Um, I also I didn't I well I didn't really technically have a job to go back to but I knew that I didn't really want to start thinking about work and I know this is again a privilege but at least for the first year of my daughter's life um, and so I knew that when I had this idea and I just I had to run with it I everything made sense to me and I almost saw the whole thing laid out in front of me as soon as I had the idea I um I also wanted to honour and respect that I'd made the decision to devote this first year of my daughter's life to her. Um, I didn't want to be putting her in care so I could go off and work on this idea. I wanted it to work alongside my early motherhood journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I made the conscious decision to say that this wasn't going to be a, a solo project. I wanted to draw on other people's wisdom and knowledge to bring the idea to life so I reached out to a friend who is a recipe developer and spoke to her about my idea and I knew that her nutritional values were very much aligned with what a is is necessary for new mums and b is how I feel and approach food and then I reached out to a naturopath who had recently also had a baby and had gone through her postpartum experience because it was it's quite hard to find people that well then it was I feel like there's a lot more now but of um health professionals that really specialize in that postpartum nutritional postpartum period um so I knew that a naturopath who had recently gone through it would be very in tune with that period of a woman's life and what she needs um and then I also reached out to a graphic designer that would help me I guess bring the book and the cards to life so I really wanted it even though I guess it's my baby to be a real real collaborative effort of local women and mothers that could birth the book into the world alongside me that's beautiful did you guys ever all get together to work on it or kind of brainstorm together or was it all done sort of separately um yeah actually 
Maddie, Brooke and I did all get together. Um, and then I guess the Gold Coast is a small place. So my graphic designer was familiar with the people I was working with. And um, and then so was the photographer. So um, we didn't actually all get together on many occasions, but we did once. Um, and then Maddie and I, I guess a friendship really, she was did the recipes for the book. Our friendship really blossomed through creating Village for Mama and we hang out regularly and we're constantly... I feel like she's my silent business sister. We're constantly bouncing ideas and giving each other advice and feedback. Nice. So how did that process work with her? Did she kind of create all of the recipes or did you guys have a back and forth and and you would bring ideas and then she would kind of flesh them out or, um, um, yeah, what did that look like? So I had a couple of my um, my own recipes that I really wanted to include in the book. Um, so basically... I sat down with Maddie and we discussed the importance of postpartum nutrition. And there is quite a lot of information out there about that sort of traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic approach to nutrition. And what was really important to me with the book was that, I guess the point of difference was that there were the recipe cards that could be handed out. And I really wanted people to be able to hand them out to their neighbor or their uncle Robbo or and not intimidate them with peculiar ingredients that they had to say go to the Asian supermarket to find or order online. I really wanted the recipes to be nourishing, but also easy to find simple ingredients that you could get from your local Woolworths or markets or so yeah. on. So, um, and Maddie's style of cooking is really works well with that. She's She's got the sort of foundations of nourishing nutrient-dense basis of cooking with lots of bone broth, but then also making them, I guess, family-friendly, easy to make, not too many ingredients, not too complicated in terms of methods. Her approach to cooking was absolutely perfect for the Village for Mama concept. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we got together. We brainstormed. She then wrote a massive list of ideas, and we sort of pick and chose from the ideas and made sure that we were sort of meeting enough dietary requirements so having gluten-free options vegan options vegetarian options including postpartum superfoods so incorporating lots of bone broth which could then be subbed out for stock or veggie stock if necessary and incorporating the option of organ meats in some of the recipes and then if there were ingredients that were I guess slightly unique like I guess hemp seeds aren't I they are more readily available now but we added lots of um supercharge options to the recipes as well so you could really bump up the nutrients by popping in the supercharge option um so I guess scale the recipes to different people's levels of um ingredient availability um mm. And then we, she created the recipes. We sent them off to Brooke, who went through all the recipes with a, um, from a naturopath's perspective and looked at um, if you add this ingredient here, you'll really help with this. And I wouldn't recommend having too many, too many of these in the recipe because they can cause um, bloating or discomfort in the mother, which can get passed on to the baby and cause gas. So we really took everything into consideration with making sure the recipes were perfectly suited to nourishing a new mum because at that point I hadn't done any nutritional training myself mm -hmm. okay interesting and then after doing the book you've gone on to do nutritional training can you tell a little bit about that you mentioned it a bit ago but 
Yeah, so I study through um, O'Baby Academy, which is a holistic nutrition school based in Canada. So I studied online. Um, they do a master's, which is which covers pregnancy nutrition, postpartum nutrition, and then baby nutrition. Or you can just pick one or two. So initially, I just chose postpartum nutrition. Um, and I, even though it's called the like a holistic school of nutrition I really didn't realize how in-depth it would go in terms of holistically supporting a new mother during her postpartum period which is why after doing the course and after experiencing the postpartum period myself I really felt like I had all the relevant tools to then go on and support mums one-on-one yeah that sounds so incredibly valuable the kind of information and knowledge you would have from that Oh, it completely changed my life. And I guess when I created the book, it was just something that I really wanted mums to have. And yes, obviously you sell a book so it can earn you a bit of money, but I hadn't ever thought of it at the time from a business perspective. The only sort of business angle I had was, well, it's going to cost me this much to print, therefore I need to sell it for this much to cover the printing costs and make a tiny bit of money but obviously that wasn't really a full-blown business plan but -hmm. at the time I hadn't realized that this was actually really where my heart lay and I found for the first time in my life ever I was in a flow state of being completely in love with what I was learning and not once did anything ever feel like effort or work and I'd never felt like that way before and even just sharing Instagram posts of knowledge and wisdom that can help other mums it never ever felt like a chore of oh I have to post now or I have to write this email it I was just in a complete state of I found my jam basically basically and this is what my heart is calling me to do Mm, that's amazing yeah and it really comes through in everything that you share that um yeah, it's just such an authentic passion and desire to help women in this way. Um, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, wow. And so then after doing that training, you've now stepped into the postpartum doula work one-on-one. Um, and, and you're doing a second edition of the book as well, right? Yeah. So I've... Um... I started off by printing a thousand books, um, I guess, to test the waters. And at the time, that number to me was huge. Like when I was ready to print the book, I think I had maybe five, six hundred Instagram followers. And I know that's a ridiculous metric and it doesn't mean much, but I was very fresh on the scene, let's say. Um, so at the time, printing that many books, if they, I didn't even have that many people that had clicked for free to follow my account on Instagram, printing that many books was a very daunting thing for me um so I took out a small loan to to do the first print run um and then I guess it kind of snowballed and people started finding the book discovering it buying it buying it for their friends sending me beautiful messages um and it really I guess cemented that I'd created something that was of value and importance and that was well received and loved and So I'm very nearly sold out. Basically, I've only got a few books left. And next time round, I am going to print a few more. And there were a few things that since studying, 
I've realized were missing from the book and I really wanted to incorporate some more important wisdom into the second edition sorry there's a truck going past that's okay yeah I was going to ask if um yeah there were changes that you've decided to make to the book after doing um more in-depth training yourself in nutrition are you including different recipes or adding um adding different parts to the book or yeah I'm adding a little bit more at the end of the day there are there are other great recipe books there are other great postpartum recipe books and resources I think what really sets village for mama apart is the fact that it's more of a resource and it really helps you facilitate support and the gathering of a village and community um so the recipe cards are i guess the most important part um but yeah since studying i did want to just incorporate a little bit more education into the start of the book about how to honor your postpartum period and how to incorporate traditional wisdom into a modern postpartum and how that can look for you um, I also feel as though there is value in doing a bit of your own preparation and stocking your own freezer. So I have added a new um, filling your fourth trimester freezer section into the book, which will have additional recipes. Um, and then I've changed and added some of the other recipes in the book, but it will still have the 30 recipe cards to go alongside it. There'll just be a bit of additional content and recipes in the book itself. Mm, okay exciting I can't wait to see all that I love um I agree I think it's such a beautiful kind of part of nesting to to do a bunch of cooking and fill your freezer so it's ready um like you're kind of pre-supporting yourself in postpartum and that's really exciting that the book will have that section now and also like with inviting people to bring you food and although I've really tried to create boundaries through the letter on the back that explains the importance of respecting if a new mother doesn't want visitors or if you are visiting what you can do to support and help I do think that the first first up to five seven days should really be as sheltered as possible and so if you have got some of the the food that is really beneficial and especially in the early postpartum days is that really soft easy to digest nourishing warming food that's actually that's actually the food that freezes really really well yeah so to have your freezer stocked with those type of meals that will really support you in the first early days means that not only you can sort of push your visitors back a few days and still be fed um but yeah, you have a bit more control over what's happening in your early days without having to rely on people knocking on your door with food. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point and such a good idea. And I think also, um, I was talking to another doula yesterday who does a lot of postpartum support. And we were just saying that, you know, even when you create your, your village of support and people who are bringing you food, um, it's still not going to be every meal generally. Like you, you would be really lucky if you were receiving support that other people were cooking every single meal for you. And so having that, um, you know, that freezer full of food to fall back on for those, you know, in between meals is, um, would just be so helpful. Cause yeah, there's just times when you definitely like mom shouldn't be up and cooking and sometimes, you know, the partner has to be out doing something else or hands are full and um yeah yeah a... well 
like anything in life preparation is key yeah <laughs> so yeah yes. if you if you can um give yourself back up and I have also said that on the recipe card on each recipe it does say you can double this recipe to feed your own family or you could triple it and bring a frozen back up for mum because yeah whilst you can provide say dinner for Wednesday you can get around to Saturday night and have no food in the fridge so to have a frozen backup can it can really be life-changing when you're exhausted and I mean I also talk about the fact that um sometimes the partner has to go off to work very early in the postpartum period and when they get home for them to then have to hop in the kitchen and prepare food and meals it robs their time of spending time with you and the baby and they're tired and sleep deprived too so there is so much power in food delivery for not just feeding the mum but feeding the the partner or the dad too and also other children that might be in the family yes yes that is such an important point um yeah okay I think I was going to ask, I think I'll still ask, you've mentioned a few foods um, that are good for postpartum mothers, but what are, um, I guess if you were to tell a mom like three things that she should have on hand that she can add easily to her foods to like really up the the nutrient value um, in postpartum and help help her meet the, those nutritional needs, what would those be? Um, I think bone broth, and if you're a vegetarian, a really good quality vegetable broth is should be the your fridge essential and freezer essential because it freezes really well. It can be a base for anything. You can add it into meals to supercharge them. You can use it as your base for soup, which is such a good meal for a postpartum mum. Um, and you can also have it as a warming drink as well. I think mums forget the importance of staying really hydrated, especially as they're, they're bleeding, they're leaking, they've got the night sweats, like it's such a, a fluidy time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you're they're really crying. Happy. Yeah, exactly. It's just constant yeah. from everywhere. Um, yes. So, yeah, bone broth would probably be my number one because it can be used as a base for everything and you can have it on its own and it's super nutrient-dense. Um, oh, three things. I Oh, healthy fats. I think if you – a really good quality ghee, grass-fed butter, olive oil, really making sure you're cooking with all of those nourishing healthy fats are really essential – for um, new mums, they nourish the breast milk, they balance healthy fats, balance your um, hormones and stabilize your blood sugar, which, yeah, a really beautiful, well-balanced diet is really essential for um, both balancing hormones when obviously there's a huge hormonal shift after you've given birth and also um, stabilizing blood sugar, which really affects your mood. It's a really emotional time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that you're covering those bases with nutrition is really essential to support you um and also yeah remembering that i guess you do need more slightly more calories when you're breastfeeding but it is not a time to be worried about excess body fat or weight loss or um those early weeks are so important to focus on just nourishing the body um 
and making sure that um yeah you're really restoring your body and meeting your essential nutrient needs because you're you're depleted from pregnancy and birth and then you go on to breastfeeding so really making sure that you prioritize um food balanced meals and eating often is really really important for new mums um, yeah yeah just trying to think of other ingredients I've got a whole list of essential postpartum ingredients sardines are really brilliant for um omega-3s I love quinoa as a base for things because it's a complete protein source as well as hemp seeds are also another postpartum favorite of mine um eggs I think eggs are a brilliant source um your needs for choline are higher during breastfeeding than any other time in your life um and it's essential during pregnancy so too which often leaves mums depleted so um yeah eggs are a wonderful source of choline I have um so all of these foods that you're mentioning are like animal products um which I think is um yeah it's obviously a lot of the nutrition you need is much easier to get in that way in postpartum but for um vegetarian or vegan mums do you have any kind of like uh, you said hemp seeds yeah hemp um, seeds, which quinoa, is amazing in the vegetable broth and quinoa yeah lentil, okay, lentils are great for protein iron the only thing with lentils is I think mums need to be really mindful of how their body reacts to lentils and beans because um, especially when your digestion is compromised when um, I guess you've birthed your placenta, your womb is shrinking back to its original size or your organs are slowly moving back to their original home, your digestion is compromised and um, what can upset your stomach and digestion can also then pass on to your baby through your breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that lentils can be a source of, of gas for both mum and babe. So it's something else. And I, I know you've got so much on your mind, but just being mindful about how your body's reacting to food because it can pass on to your baby as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your um, lentils, nuts, seeds. Yeah. Like I said, I love um, hemp seeds. Um, and then also if you have had to have antibiotics during your um, pregnancy or birth, making sure you're having nice, beautiful um, sources of probiotics. So um, miso, kefir, kombucha, kraut, and they're all, of course, um, vegan and vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So much, so much goodness. Obviously, it's all in the book um, as well. So just, yeah. I got the copy from you the other day and it's the first time I've had my hands on one to to look through it myself and there's just so much wisdom in there. It's made me so excited to try out some of the recipes for the mums I'm supporting in the coming months and um, yeah, really beautiful and exciting and amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it just makes, I feel like your recipes in that book are as you've said so much more approachable than some of the other ones I've seen it makes cooking for postpartum seem so much more achievable yeah and also remembering that um, I I think that there is so much value in having a postpartum doula and even a postpartum meal delivery service but often 90 to 100 percent of that attention is is towards the mother and rightly so but we do also need to remember that there is 
a partner and potentially other smaller children. And so it was really important to me that when people dropped off a meal, it wasn't like, oh, here's a beautifully designed soup just for you, mum. It's meal that dad can enjoy too or your partner can enjoy, enjoy too or your toddler can enjoy too. So, yeah, feeding the whole family um, and remembering it's not it's normally not just a mum in isolation that needs looking after and feeding. Yes, such an important point. Really good. Um, I think we're probably coming to the end of our time, but is there anything, any last things that you would like to share for mums out there listening? Um, no, I think we've we've covered everything and I'd probably be repeating myself, but yeah, just remembering that you don't need to do it alone and to reach out for help and that's not a sign of failing. It's just yes. a sign of, doing what you need to do and um, yeah remember that if you are a bit hesitant about asking someone to make you food remember that by not asking them you are denying them of a beautiful experience which is gifting food to a loved one which yeah is is nice for both parties I think yeah oh it's been so amazing talking to you Layla thank you so much for your time today I can't wait to share this with everyone out there listening Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, I'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.